episode 104 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. As always, you can hit me up on Twitter at SSJ7 or you can go to postingandtoasting.com and hit us up in the comments section under the Shock Shock Knicks podcast episodes. Thanks as always for tuning in. Hope you guys are having a good week. We will get to the NBA playoffs. We will get to a little bit of Knicks news, including the draft. I think this is going to be probably the first show where we really dive into where the Knicks are in the draft. The draft lottery has happened. We know where everyone will be picked. For once, the Knicks were not involved in the draft lottery. It's a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing not having to worry about when the lottery was going to happen, you know, having to, you know, set some time aside to tune in. It's actually kind of nice. It was kind of nice to not have to, you know, like, to look at my phone and say, oh, the Pistons are picking first and not have to worry about where the Knicks were. We knew where they were, where they were going to be. It was, a, it was a really nice thing. I don't know about you guys, that little moment where I just saw, like, a notification pop up on my phone that said the draft order. I just said, oh, that's right. The draft lottery was tonight. I just remember thinking, oh, that's a beautiful thing. That's how, if, you're, if your team's in a good position, that's how draft lottery night should be for you. Oh, yeah, the lottery was tonight. And so-and-so's team's picking first. You shouldn't have to worry about it. We've had to worry about it for too long as Knicks fans. It was so nice to just kind of be like, you know what? We know where we're picking. We like our guys. Oh, yeah, that's right. The draft lottery happened tonight. Yeah, okay. Like that that little, yeah, okay. That's a nice feeling. <laughs> Maybe I'm making too much of it. You guys let me know what your draft lottery night experience was like. Some people, to be fair, some people just like the drama. Whether their team's involved or not, you tune in anyway. It was just nice to, you know, oh, okay, it happened. Cool. That's, there's, there's feelings in life like that where, where it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's, a, that's one of those where it's like, okay, cool. And, and it just feels great to say that. So we'll get to the lottery. We'll get to the draft in just a few seconds here. I really want to dive in. First time for me, you know, again, we've had little snippets on it here and there on the podcast. Haven't had a chance to really dive in head first and break down not only where the Knicks are picking, but the draft as a whole. Because now we know who's the favorite. Uh, who's the favorite? We know who the number one pick is going to be taken by. And we know who the favorite is to be that number one pick. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the playoffs. The Hawks are giving it to the Bucks already. Crazy series developing despite the absence of CP3 and Kawhi out west. We'll dive into that later on in the show. Okay, let's get to the draft. We'll get to the draft lottery. Again, it was nice as a Knicks fan not having to worry about it. But it's still interesting looking back on it. Who's picking where, what the deal is, obviously for the time being, right? For the time being, Cade Cunningham is the favorite to be the number one pick in the draft. And I I think that's not going to change. Again, it's not like a Zion situation where it's pretty obvious, you know, harken back to the Patrick Ewing days. You basically knew as soon as the, the lottery was won who they were going to pick. Right and, and LeBron, same thing. You you knew what was going to happen. This year, it's not that, 
right? It's not that cut and dry, but it's pretty close. I would I would say it's it's about as close as it can be without the jersey being held up with Cunningham's name on the back of it on draft or I should say on draft lottery night. So there there again, things can change. No question about it, right? I mean, there's a lot that can still happen. However, I would be pretty surprised at this point if the Detroit Pistons, who won the draft lottery, and good for them, they, you know, for them, they were probably sweating it out, wondering where they were going to end up. They've got the first pick. And I think when you look at their options, when you look at what they have at their disposal, I, I would be pretty surprised. I, I would be pretty surprised if on draft night, Detroit didn't take Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State. I, I just think that based on what they need, which is a lot, the phases that they're going through at the moment to kind of rebuild this thing, I would be pretty pretty surprised, pretty damn surprised if they went in a different direction Listen, you look at most mock drafts, most draft boards after the draft lottery, things of that nature, right? I, I think you look at Cunningham. I, I think after that, there's a bit of a drop-off. And then maybe you're looking at a Jalen Green out of the G League, Evan Mobley uh, out of USC, the freshman. Jalen Suggs could be in that conversation. Jonathan Kaminga as well out of the G League. Those are probably your top five picks in no particular order. I think the, I, there's there's a few outside you know options that could enter the conversation. Maybe a Scotty Barnes out of Florida State. Maybe a Keon Johnson out of Tennessee. Davion Mitchell. But I think that you know those guys are likely to go later in the lottery. I'm thinking. Um, you know, obviously Jalen Johnson out of Duke is a bit of a wild card here. I think anybody who saw his potential out of high school would have told you that he would have been the first overall pick if he didn't have to go to college. But he did. Didn't go great. He left Duke. I think he's still a lottery pick easily. You know, I think he's got a lot of raw talent, a lot of potential. He just didn't get the chance. Or I shouldn't say, you know, it didn't go great with the coach K and Duke last season, didn't have a good year. Jalen Johnson, when he came back, didn't really help. And then he ended up, ends up leaving to get ready for the draft. So it's, it was a weird kind of a situation for him in college. And it reminds me a little bit, um, a little bit of Cole Anthony's situation from last year's draft where he got hurt a lot. Didn't really work out under Roy Williams. Still had a great rookie year in Orlando. Obviously, you know, Many, including myself, aren't thrilled when a guy goes to Orlando because it's kind of where careers go to die. But it's one of those things where, you know, he still has had success despite the the bad situation and poor organization that he plays for. So there's, you know, at the moment, Orlando are picking five in this draft. Most draft boards have it either going Suggs, Barnes, or Kuminga with that pick. Um, James Booknight out of UConn's another guy being considered as a top 10 pick at the moment. You know, and then you look a little bit, little bit further down the board, kind of where San Antonio is picking Indiana, um, and Golden State. And, and you're looking at a bunch of different options here. Maybe a Kai Jones, Franz Wagner out of Michigan, Corey Kispert, the senior out of Gonzaga, who's a very athletic, can shoot the three and is a very good passer, good team guy. 
Great could be great for an NBA locker room. It has a lot of talent and a lot of athleticism as well. Um, Ayo Desumu out of Illinois, someone who, as a Nick fan, for where we're picking in this draft at 19, would have on my radar. I, I think Ayo Desumu can play the point guard in the NBA. He could play the shooting guard in the NBA. I think there's a lot to like with Ayo Desumu. Um, I think you also look in this this area as well. I mean, some people have uh, Nishan Highland out of VCU being in this area. I, I'm not a huge fan of him. I, I I didn't see to be fair. I didn't see enough of him to have a full uh, a full look at him as far as where I'm at. Uh, as far as whether he'd be a good fit for the Knicks, he is a combo guard as well. He's most sites list him as a combo guard. I I, I worry a little bit. I worry a little bit about his acumen. I worry a little bit about his decision-making. Ayo Desumu, you know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get a freak athlete, a great passer, a pretty darn good shooter as well. Great size, great length. He's kind of, not only in looks, but he's got a little bit of a, he's got the look of a of Frank Nilakina, but he's got all the skills that Frank Nilakina fans think that he's got. And more. He's basically the opposite of Frank Nilakina, essentially, in his game. Defensively, he's getting there. But offensively, he can do it all. He can do it all. And he's just, I mean, he's exactly what the Knicks need. I think he's exactly what the Knicks need at that position. I think at the moment, Knicks don't move in the draft, right? They don't trade up to get somebody or trade down, whatever. I think Ayo Desumu is a really good pick at 19. I think he'd be a really solid addition for the Knicks. I think that's where I'd be looking for early inclinations for me. Early indications, I should say. First kind of real look through the draft, who's available, what the Knicks need. Ayo Desumu would be a really great pick at 19. Again, he, he might not be there. That's another thing to keep in mind. Ayo Desumu is a guy, in my opinion, when you look at the depth of the first round, in my, in my opinion, could be a lottery pick. I really do. I think he's that good. Um, but boards have him you know, mid to late first round at the moment. I, I think that'd be a steal. I think if the Knicks could pick him up, I think that would be a massive, massive get. He trades in his Illinois orange for the orange and blue of the Knicks. I think that'd be a really, really strong selection if the Knicks are able to do that at 19. And again, Highland is an interesting one. I, I think if you're, again, with, with what you have at your disposal as far as developing players now with Tom Thibodeau and, and company in charge, Highland's not, an, not a bad pick here. It's an interesting pick. I just don't, I think with Ayo Desumu available, it'd be really hard to pass on him. I think if he falls to you at 19, I, I'd be hard pressed to, to take anybody else. I think you have to take him there. It just feels like the right choice. Then, again, the Knicks have two picks in a group of three here. They have 19 and 21 sandwiched in between an Atlanta pick at 20. If you can get Ayo Desumu at 19, it really opens up your options at 21 because you've got an opportunity now to maybe grab a bit of a luxury player here, right? Maybe grab a shooting guard. Grab a little guy, a guy that can can really knock down some threes. Or, you know, add to the wing play 
on this team as well. I mean, there's a lot of options here. I, I think if the Knicks could really bolster their backcourt with two picks here, they will be in phenomenal shape going into the second round. I really do. I, I think, you again, again, at the moment, you look at Io DeSumo at 19, and then at 21, there's a few guys I, that I look at immediately. I think Johnny Juzang out of UCLA had a phenomenal NCAA tournament, was great with UCLA during the regular season under Mick Cronin, got them to a Final Four. He's a, he's a small forward that can really do a lot of, of really impressive things. Trey Mann at the point guard position is someone I would look at a little bit as well. Maybe a Chris Duarte out of Oregon is an option here. Cam Thomas out of LSU, a shooting guard, I, I think is another very interesting option here. A lot of guys here. It's a great place to be. In the first round, two picks within a three-pick span for the Knicks. They could get a heck of a haul here midway through the first round. I think this is a really nice position for the Knicks to be in to build a little bit more through the draft and just get a couple of guys here where you can get really excited. Again, Io DeSumo and maybe a Cam Thomas, Io DeSumo and a Johnny Juzang, Trey Mann, maybe a Chris Duarte. And it's looking real nice. It's looking really, really nice going into next season. Again, I think the backcourt has to be addressed. I think you need to look in that area if you're the Knicks. And I just, I I love some of the options here. I really do. I'm excited to see what the Knicks could possibly do. Again, we'll talk about it more as we get towards the draft, but... I'm excited. I, I love the options. I love where the Knicks are at in the draft itself. Again, they honestly, again, you could also, you know, there's a potential here for the Knicks to move up. They could use one of these picks to potentially move up in the draft or both of them. If they if they love somebody in the top half of the first round and they want to use both of these picks, it's it's on the table. You know, if you if you're listen, if you're if you're Leon Rosen company and you're looking further up the draft, the draft, right? And Jalen Suggs is really catching your eye. Or or maybe, you know, you look at, I don't know, an, a Mobley. Someone like that. Although I don't think Mobley would, would be the right fit. Davion Mitchell. Someone like that. That you just, you look and you're like, oh, have to get him. You've got two picks in the first round that you can, you can maneuver with. It's a great, great place to be. And even, even with, you know, when you look at, trades, free agency. The, these are the kind of these are the kind of positions the Knicks want to be in. It's a beautiful beautiful thing and the Knicks could either take, you know, two great picks here in the first round and I have every confidence now that they can do that after Tom Thibodeau's really great draft last year, pulling off that Emmanuel quickly trade and, and being able to to really uh come away with a, a pretty pretty good draft night haul with Obi Toppin on top of that as well. So it's a it's a really I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the Knicks are going to end up doing here in the first round. Now, second round, Knicks can be very busy. Knicks have two picks in the second round as well. One very early on. So again, the Knicks have 1921, and then they have 32. They've got the second pick in the second round. And this is where a depth pick is certainly an option here. Now, if you've done what I hope the Knicks could possibly do here and go double backcourt in the first round, a Desumu, or or again, either a backcourt and a wing or a double backcourt, 
with players, you get a Desumu and a Juzang or a Desumu and maybe, yeah, again, like a Trey Man, someone like that, Chris Duarte, maybe even Jared Butler out of Baylor, you know, becomes an option there as well. But then you look late, I'm sorry, early second round. And again, if Butler's there, another great option. But again, 32nd pick, again, if you didn't get a guard, a second guard earlier, Butler could fall there from Baylor. That's a very interesting option there. Isaiah Jackson, if you want to go front court depth again, I, I, I don't know uh, where the Knicks would be on a, on a Mitchell Robinson. You look at the bench, you know, do they want to add there? Isaiah Jackson's an interesting one out of Kentucky. Young guy, you know, obviously the Knicks with their bench connections have a lot of Kentucky love on this roster. So it's an interesting one with Jackson. Uh, I I think, you know, I'm not sure where I'm at, you know, as as far as some of these second round G-leaguers, but you look at Knicks out of the G-league, he's another point guard option. But I think if you've addressed that, you don't really need to take a risk there on a third one. Um, a guy for me, and, I, and you guys, te- you know, I, you guys have hit, let me know about this. I tend to love the Villanova guys, but to be fair, there's a track record here. You know what I mean? And Jeremiah Robinson Earl out of Villanova would be a very intriguing option here early in the second round. He's a power forward, 6'9", 230. He's got a lot of talent, can shoot the three, has very good post game underneath, Really versatile, big, and I think he's just what the Knicks could uh, could could get here to make things very very interesting. I, I think he'd be a very nice pick at thirty two as well. Again, Jackson makes it make would make it interesting as well here, but Jeremiah Robinson Earl would be a phenomenal option. I think he's got a lot to offer. I think he fits what the Knicks need, and he's great defensively. He's part of that Jay Wright culture. Where you got to do everything well, but you got to defend most of all. And I think he fits that bill extremely well. And think about this, right? When Villanova's had a good draft class, you know, obviously normally they do very well in the dance or something like that, but they normally have a very good defensive team. You know, Dante DiVincenzo fits that bill. Jalen Brunson fits that bill. Mikhail Bridges fits that bill. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is cut from the same cloth. I feel like he's got a lot of those same attributes to make things very interesting for the Knicks in this draft. So I think he's someone to definitely look out for early in the second round. He's, In my opinion, Jeremiah Robinson Earl is a borderline first-round pick. I really believe that. And I think that the Knicks would, would really do well if, if they picked up somebody like him early in the second round. Now... Late in the draft, the Knicks have one more pick. They've got the third to last pick in the draft. Uh, Brooklyn and then Indiana round out the second round of the draft. So the Knicks pick at 58 is one that is a tough one to to kind of gauge. It'll depend on obviously multiple factors. What have the Knicks already gotten? You know, do the Knicks trade this pick? You know, if they feel like, you know, you get Desumu, maybe Juzang, maybe Butler or Mann maybe Chris Duarte, and then you pick up a Jeremiah Robinson Earl early in the second round. Do you trade this pick at some point during the night? It's an option. You, you know, four picks in the draft, to be fair, is a lot. I think most teams would think about trading one of those picks. 
Now, if you're thinking of keeping three of the four, this is probably the one you think about trading, this late second rounder where you're not sure what you're going to get. Um, to be fair, I, there's some options here, not a ton in my opinion. You'd have to fall for, you'd have to hope for guys to fall here. I think Aaron Henry out of Michigan State, a guy that could be a wing or a shooting guard, he's an option here. I, I think he's got a lot of grit defensively. I think Tom Thibodeau would love coaching somebody like him, a guy that thrived under Tom Izzo. I, I think he's a guy that would be a very intriguing option. Now, I'm going to get biased here, but brace yourselves. A Seton Hall guy in this draft that's not getting any love. Sandro Mamukalashvili, 6'10", can handle the basketball, can dribble it up, be a point guard, distribute. Co-Big East Player of the Year a season ago at Seton Hall, Big East champion. A guy that can shoot the heck out of it from three. He's your classic Euro big man, and he's tough. He can deal with you down low. He's become extremely versatile. He's essentially a bigger Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and he can handle the basketball. He can dribble it the full length of the court and get an assist. He can dribble it the full length of the court and dunk on you. He can dribble it the full length of the court and Eurostep his way in for a layup plus the foul and then knock down the free throw. He's got a lot to offer. He really does. If you want to take a flyer, kind of like the Knicks did as a draft, uh, I should say an undrafted free agent in Miles Powell, obviously for different reasons, Sandro Mamukalashvili is a really very interesting prospect. I, I think he's somebody that you look at in the pro eyes as someone that makes a lot of sense for a team in the NBA to take. I, I really do. And I think he'd be a steal as an undrafted free agent, an absolute steal. Anybody that's watched him play in college, especially the last two years of his college career, his junior year when he became a Big East champion and his senior year when he was Big East co-player of the year, he has got the guts. He's got that it factor for the NBA and he's got all the tools. He's got all the tools and he continues to get better. The biggest thing with him is going to be his confidence. Can he continue to grow in his confidence moving forward? But he showed towards the end of his senior year he can lead a team and win big games for a team down the stretch by himself. He's got that in him. You know, there were times last year where he really had to carry the team, and he did that as best as he could and put up amazing numbers. And again, one Big East player of the year because of his exploits, because of his big-time performances in big games. So I think that he is a flyer here that's not on many boards, that would be a Knicks pick. Like, he feels like a Knicks pick to me. But we'll see. We'll have to see. As far as guys that are on the board, there's a few, you know, there's a few guys to look at. MJ Walker's another guy out of Florida State at the shooting guard position. Marcus Garrett, a combo guard out of Kansas, is somebody to watch as well. Maybe a Matthew Hurt out of Duke. Great shooter. Knicks could use a little more shooting on this roster. Maybe he's a guy that you look at at that position as well. Some people have the Knicks taking Ferran Hunt out of SMU, a small forward. Uh, John Petty is in this conversation, I would say, as well, a shooting guard that can, pre- that can fill it up pretty well. Uh, out of Alabama, had a solid, solid senior season for the Crimson Tide. 
uh, and I believe, uh, if memory serves, an SEC champion. So he's ha- he has some pedigree on his resume as well coming out of college to offer. So Knicks have a lot to look at in this draft. I'm, I'm bobbing my head. I'm excited. I'm into it. I'm loving this. It's a beautiful thing. I just think that when you look at the full picture of the draft, Knicks have four picks. They can do a lot with them. They can trade them. They can move up. They can move down. Or they can stay where they are and get like three or four really good players. I mean, they're all, it's all on the board. I mean, again, if the Knicks come out of this draft, right, let's say they, let's say for the sake of the argument, right, they have, they, they keep three of these picks, they trade away one of them. And you're telling me you come away with Desumu, maybe Juzang, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. That's a hell of a draft right there. That's a really good draft. And, Let's say you keep all four. I mean, you could take a Mamukalashvili. You can take a Petty or a Hurt and feel great about where you are. Like, you've got a lot of talent coming in right there. Or you really splash it and you trade one of these guys for, for a really strong, established NBA player. Like, there's, uh, there's options here. The Knicks have a lot to work with. And it's a... Especially when you know who's coaching the team, you know who's running this front office, and the success they've already had after one season. It, it's I've got a smile on my face. You can't see it, but I've got a smile on my face right now, excited with where this is where where this is going. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see how this all pans out. Obviously, it's there's a lot that can still change. We've we've seen that from last year's draft. A lot changed as far as where the Knicks. Um, ended up, you know, going. We've got a little over a month until the draft. The draft is on July 29th. It'll be at Barclays. I'm excited. We have a month to kind of figure out what's going to happen. But for right now, I, I think if you're a Knicks fan, you've got to be extremely excited for where the Knicks are at the moment. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, going to talk just a little bit more draft, throw a few more prospects out there that you should be watching, and then we'll dive in to the NBA playoffs. All that more is coming up next. Shock Shock Knicks podcast, posting and toasting, podcast network. All right, second half of the show, real quick. We're going to dive in just a few more prospects. I want to throw your way before we kind of move on again we'll get to the the suns and the clippers we will get to the hawks and the bucks but just want to throw a few more names out that we haven't mentioned yet that i think that would that you know when you're looking at where the knicks are at the moment that i i i I, you know guys that the knicks should consider right off the bat sharif cooper out of Auburn, a guy that a few different articles have linked to the Knicks just as far as fit, right? He's an interesting one. He's an interesting one. I, again, he's a little he's a little on the shorter side, 6'1 for an NBA player, of course, 6'1, 180, but can really run an offense. 12 games at Auburn, 20 points. I should say 12 games at Auburn, 20.2 points, 8.1 assists per game. Bruce Pearl's quote is kind of what stands out. This is this is a, a quote that Bruce Pearl told, told reporters, I believe during this season. He said, quote, his character and his hard work clearly shined through his lone season with us. He's a once-in-a-generation point guard who has an uncanny ability to score. 
and help others. Now, Bruce Pearl's been an analyst. Bruce Pearl has worked in the media. You don't have to trust Bruce Pearl as a person. But as a basketball guy, at least as far as evaluating talent, he knows what he's talking about. He doesn't say this very often about his guys. He's got guys that he's talked about in the draft. Jared Harper is a guy that he coached that's now with the Knicks in the Knicks system that's gone back and forth between the Knicks and the G League. He doesn't say that very often about guys. And I think Cooper's an interesting pick to look at if you're the Knicks in the draft as well. So again, just another guy. Again, the article, a few articles have referenced Trey Mann as, as a possible option. We briefly have talked about him. He's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of basketball IQ, can do a lot of things on the court. Again, there's a lot of options here. Again, Chris Duarte out of Oregon. Dana Altman's been pumping out really good players of late. The Knicks have had a few that they've liked. And then, to be fair, some they've gotten rid of. Kenny Wooten is one. But I, but I think that when you look at Chris Duarte, I, I, I think he's a, he's a guy that could come onto any NBA roster and fit right in. I, I think he's another option to seriously consider, especially when you're looking at the Knicks' second pick, the 21st pick in the first round. Now, again, you know, considering the fact that at 19, you know, you're not sure if you're going to get Ayo DeSumo, but if you love him, you've got a pick or two in the second round. You can maybe, you know, boost that pick up a little bit, move it up to 15, something like that, and maybe snag him. So it's, there's a lot of options here. There's a lot of options here for the Knicks in this draft. Again, those are a few names we've talked about. To keep in mind, those names could change as we, you know, as we go along. But it's one of those things that, you know, again, to be fair, we you know, last year's draft, we talked about Toppin, we talked about quickly. These are guys you gotta, you know, when we talk about these guys, you know, to be fair, the mock drafts and 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 you know, looking and researching these guys, and, and for me, you know, starting with seeing them in college, you never know. You never know. The Knicks might just take them. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens moving forward with this but for right now um we wait we have a month till the draft we'll talk about it at least i I have a feeling at least a few more times you guys tend to love the draft shows when we break down the draft and the picks for possibly for the knicks and for some of the other teams around the nba as well listen for the time being Cade cunningham looks like he's going to be the number one pick but we'll see we'll see what detroit decides to do they need as much talent as they can get I think Cade Cunningham would be a pretty nice choice for them, to say the least, as the number one pick in the draft. So we'll see. We will see how it goes. Um, Before we dive into the playoffs, just a couple of of notes from the league this week. Obviously, the crazy stuff with the Mavs we talked about a week ago. More to talk about now with Rick Carlisle being hired as the new head coach of the Indiana Pacers. That feels like a perfect fit for city, culture, and coach. I think Rick Carlisle is going to love it there. I think the Pacers are going to love Rick Carlisle. I think everybody on that roster will instantly respect him. And I think that that's going to be a match made in heaven. That's not good for the Knicks, obviously, uh, because we don't like the Pacers and there's a rivalry. But as an NBA fan, I think that the Pacers are making a really good decision there. That makes a lot of sense to bring in Rick Carlisle. The Celtics went in a little bit of a different direction. They hired Aime Udoka, who's been talked about in the past, Brooklyn Nets assistant. He's going to be the new head coach of the Boston Celtics. It's a very interesting hire. He's been talked about before as being an option 
So we will see. It's going to be a very, very interesting thing. So for right now, um, with, with Nate Bjorkren being moved on, Rick Carlisle's in. I think that's a great upgrade for the Indiana Pacers. I really do. Obviously, Brad Stevens steps away. I may Udoka's an interesting pick. He'll have, you know, Brad Stevens as a mentor of sorts if he needs him on the roster. Um, listen, there's going to be other situations where we're going to have to monitor. Obviously, um, Steve Clifford leaving the Magic. Terry Stotts parting ways with the Trailblazers. No, no, uh, I should say no replacement. Stan Van Gundy gone in New Orleans. Scott Brooks, obviously no longer the head coach of the Wizards. And the Mavericks still have to find a replacement for Rick Carlisle. So there's a lot of NBA coaching moves to come that we will talk about on the show when they go down. So just a few guys to to keep in mind. You know, we'll see if these guys get shuffled around a little bit or maybe some names we're not thinking of pop up. Obviously, Becky Hammond is certainly very much in the mix. It'd be a very cool thing if she can make some history and she's uh, turning into be, as everyone expected, a worthy candidate to possibly be a head coach on one of these teams. It's a really exciting thing. And there's other names out there. So it'll be very intriguing to see how it all goes down moving forward with the NBA coaching carousel, I believe is, is the term that's normally used. So we'll see. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of intrigue as the offseason moves on. Okay, let's wrap things up with some NBA playoff talk. Just give the Clippers a 2-0 deficit and they'll respond. We'll see. Third time the Clippers have been down 0-2 this postseason. The Suns take both games in the Western Conference Finals. Game two in particular was just incredible. What a finish. Um, listen, game one, the Suns, I, I, I guess you could say they were kind of in complete control. They, they never really felt like the the Clippers were going to get over the hump in that game and win it. 120 to 114 was the final, and the Suns jumped out in front very quickly uh, to take the lead in the series. And, and listen, it was the game was tight for most of the game, but it always kind of felt like the, the Suns were one step ahead. And listen, Devin Booker had a triple-double, 40-13-11. Paul George was, was very, very good with 34 points for the Clippers, but without Kawhi, um, and despite 24 from Reggie Jackson, not much else for the Clippers uh, as far as the depth in scoring. Game 2 was a hell of a game. I I watched the last uh, quarter and a half of it. It it was absolutely must-see TV. The drama was off the charts. Suns had a pretty big lead in this game. At one point, they were kind of in control of it. But the Clippers kept fighting. They kept fighting. And I'll tell you what, they kept fighting. They made it a lot tougher on Devin Booker in Game 2. Uh, Booker did hit some big shots late, but he only had 20 points on only 5 of 16 shooting from the field. That was a heck of a defensive performance by the Clippers. DeAndre Ayton was huge, 24 points, 14 rebounds. I'll get to him again in a second. And then Cameron Payne, I think, didn't get talked about nearly enough after this game. 29 points, 9 assists, basically picking up the load from Chris Paul's absence and was just crucial in this game. Clippers-wise, they got a little bit more of uh, you know, that depth 
Zubots, 14 huge points on 11 rebounds. Jackson and Paul George, 19 and 26, respectively. And honestly, they needed a fourth option, and Luke Kennard came up with some huge shots for the Clippers. 10 points in Game 2. He was huge in some of the crucial stretches of the game. Clippers, multiple times, had a lead late in the fourth quarter. They had the lead with tenths of a second left the Suns got one last chance on the inbounds play and also there was just a ton of reviews in this game there was just a crazy sequence where it looked like the Suns had it they turned it over on the replay review it had like 10 looks on it there was debate over the call There, there was a lot happening right it was all kicking off but then Jay Crowder on the inbounds play on the baseline throws up a perfect pass right above the rim where you can't be, you know, on on that kind of a play, you, you know, there's no goaltending. So you can block it. You can dunk it. And Deandre Ayton dunks it with, I think seven tenths of a second left. I think there would have been, there should have been less on the clock, but regardless, seven tenths of a second left, he dunks it in to give the Suns a one point lead. Again, by the way, Despite the great game for Paul George, two huge missed free throws down the stretch from PG that led to this opportunity, and the Suns took full advantage. DeAndre Ayton with the game winner. Clippers got one last heave at the buzzer. It didn't count, and the Suns are 2-0 up without Chris Paul in this series. Obviously, no Kawhi. For the Clippers, it's, again, Game 3, you guys will know the result of it. It's happening a few hours after I finish recording the podcast. So, you guys will know if the Clippers can start another 0-2 comeback in these NBA playoffs. They've done it twice already. Uh, It's going to be interesting. They did it, obviously, to the Mavericks. They did it to the top-seeded Jazz. Can they do it again to the second-seeded Phoenix Suns, who look like they could be the team? That goes on to possibly win the NBA championship. We will have to see. Game three crucial again. Will the Clippers be up for it without Kawhi at the Staples Center? Again, we'll see if he plays. It doesn't sound like he's going to, but you never know. You never know. Chris Paul, obviously, will hopefully play at some point in this series as well. Or will the Suns finish the Clippers off? Game three is crucial in LA. We'll have to see what happens. You guys will know the result. By the time the podcast goes out, it's going to be very interesting to see how Game 3 turns out in that series. One game down in the Eastern Conference Finals as well. Um, Obviously, as you now know, the the Philadelphia 76ers, again, had every chance to win it in Game 7. They blew it in the Conference Semifinals. The Hawks won it in Philly in Game 7, and obviously Ben Simmons getting a big brunt of the blame for it honestly for me and again I, I think you can be you can be frustrated that Ben Simmons has been even more passive than in other you know big playoff games you know and the fourth quarter numbers as far as his shooting are just shocking I think for a player of his caliber but I think I, I think you also have to look at Doc Rivers I, I this is another failed playoff run with a really good team and I think Doc Rivers is starting to develop a bad habit of blowing series. I mean, this was another series, in my opinion. The Sixers should have won this thing in five games. This series should have been over. And and to be fair, you got to give credit where credit is due to the Atlanta Hawks. They never gave up in this series. Uh, 
and they're already a game up on the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. A grinder of a game, 116-113 in Milwaukee. And Trey Young had 48 points, a career playoff high. The Bucks had no answer for him all night. And it was a tough game down the stretch, but Giannis and company did not make nearly enough plays to come back and win this game late in the fourth. And the Hawks have taken the first step in this series. It's incredible. It's going to be very interesting to see if that continues. But the Bucks, after they just got by it in overtime in Game 7 against the Nets, are back up against it. It's how quickly it changes in the NBA. Back up against it in Game 1, after Game 1, I should say in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's going to be interesting to see how these series develop. Again, I am I told you, uh, obviously, when I made my late predictions in the last round of series, I think it's going to be Suns-Bucks in the NBA Finals, but to be fair, I've been against the Hawks at every step of the way, except after they you know, came back twice from 20 down pretty much both times and beat the Sixers. But, you know, I... I I've at the beginning of series, I've counted the Hawks out every time. I, I'm going to do it again at my own peril here, but I think the Bucks are going to beat them over a seven-game series. I think they'll meet the Suns in the NBA Finals. So we'll see. We will see how it all shakes out. But at the time being, Phoenix going into a game three, you know the result of that game. They're up, they're up two nothing, and the Hawks for a third straight series have stolen home court in game one. This time they do it in Milwaukee. So we will see if they can keep this this Cinderella ride under interim coach for the time being still, I believe. Although he's gonna, it's going to be gone sooner rather than later if it hasn't already. Nate McMillan, they're doing their thing. So we will see how these conference finals develop. And we're looking forward to seeing who will meet in the NBA finals. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Guys, as always... Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can follow me on Twitter at SStJ7 if you want to hit me up there to talk more NBA playoffs or to talk more Knicks and upcoming Knicks news, free agency, and the NBA draft. All that and more, you can hit me up on social media or at postingandtoasting.com in the comments section. Until then and until next week, have a great week, everybody, and I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.